0: The scripture for today's talk is from John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Can I have Margot come up and pray for you? Let's pray. Um, Heavenly Father, thank you so much for bringing Margot here tonight in the midst of all the snow and cold outside. Um, I just pray that you will... um, speak through her right now and that um, whatever we hear tonight we will take away with us um, back to our campus well, where we are now <laughs> and um, just <laughs> to spread the news um, of you and how good you are into the world. I pray all this in your name. Amen. Is it on? Did you go to
1: Urbana? Okay. Just back to the campus sounds like you're not here. <laughs> friends. It is great to be with you and um, already I'm so encouraged by who you are and um, the ways that y'all already have a heart for God's love for the world. This is like my favorite thing ever and um, knowing that I can't do it justice, um, we'll just call these remarks. I will just make some remarks about God's love for the world. Yeah. All right. When I was here last time, I shared about how I came to know kind of in my bones, God's great love for me. And um, when I was in a really bad place, suffering from depression, I was so convinced that God loved the world. I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that God loved the poor, the marginalized, the broken, the oppressed, but I was less convinced in my deepest places that God loved me. And when I was down there, what I began to learn was that those two things, God's great love for the world and God's great love for individuals, can't be pulled apart. They're inextricable. And God's great love for the world couldn't be separated from God's love for me, God's love for individuals. So tonight I heard um, God of, maybe God of justice, God of truth, um, one God, you can't pull those two apart. And um, <clears throat> I don't know if like a line is the best thing because if you've done like myers um I always want to be like totally E or totally I. I don't want to be in the middle. That's so boring. It's probably healthy and well-balanced, but uh, you know I'd rather be extremely something. And um, in this case, God brings us maybe not to the center, but maybe deeper to live deeply into his love for us and to live deeply into God's great love for the world. Um, I don't know, some of you, I'm guessing, I'm not going to assume everyone, some of you grew up churchy, and if you grew up churchy, you might have gone to Vacation Bible School and um, had to memorize John 3.16. And when I did it, it sounded like... For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, because like all six-year-olds are saying words like begotten, he gave his only begotten son so that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And I feel like as Christians, whether we're a little on the right or a little on the left, we kind of agree that God loves the world um and you may remember last time i mentioned this thing about love um in english we don't have enough words for it um because my experience was people told me they loved me and then they left they um they hurt my mom they drank too much and i'm like really is love the best word for that like couldn't we come up with something else um and so kind of what god did for me was gave me a better working definition for love and in my case I heard God saying to my heart, I am for you. I am for you. That's what God's love looks like. And um, later I heard about this professor at Regent College. And whenever he would, in the Old Testament, come to the word Yahweh. And so in your Old Testament, it's big L, big O, big R, big D. um, He would translate it, I am the God who is with you and for you. And do it. Go home. Like, read a psalm. And when you see that big Lord, I am the God who is with you and for you. Because someone can be with you, and this was my experience, but not really before you. And they can be hooray for you, like I'm hooray for the Chicago Bears. But if I'm like in the last row of the bleachers, I'm not really with them. No, I'm just for them. Um, <clears throat> and God says, I am the one who is with you and for for you, so that sort of working definition of love for individuals um, also identifies God's love for the world. God is with us and for us. Um, oh, let's go back. Let me go back. All right. And world, um, it shouldn't be hard to have uh, you know to agree on what world is, uh, but maybe it is. God loving the world does that mean that God um, shops green? I don't know. I hope so. Um, <clears throat> does it mean that God loves the stuff that God made kind of like a kindergartner brings home like a clay pot and it really stinks but like is so proud like I made this and you know and the mom says "Ooh, I love it because you made it <laughs> does God kind of <laughs> does God love us like that kind of out of obligation because God made us and so God kind of has to love us um, does world mean the people does it mean that God loves all the people in the world or does it mean maybe God just loves, um, like, the religious ones who say the right words and do the right things, and maybe not as much the, you know, Hindus, Muslims, Buddhists, but really, like, religious people? Uh, I hope not. But um, uh, who is it that God loves? I had a friend in seminary, and um, he believed that God so loved the world meant that, um, and if there's any, like five-point Calvinists in here, I'm sorry, but he thought that it meant that God loves the elect, maybe not everybody, but those ones that he had elected for salvation, and so I emailed my friend Mike this week, and because he's become somewhat of a scholar, and I said, oh, I said, I remember there was something about that, you know, the word or that passage, and what even was that about, what does it mean, and, you know, he emails me back, basically says, I was wrong, <laughs> and the Greek word is cosmos, and, okay, this is Mike's email, and it means literally everything the entire universe from every speck of dust to each beating heart from everything seen to unseen and cosmos is actually broader than the world so if the world is like our physical world um physical universe cosmos is bigger than that mike says it means and this is sort of the theological technical way of saying it it means the whole shebang um, is what god loves god loves the whole package And we see what that love looks like in the person of Jesus Christ. That is where we see it most fully. All right. Um, When I was 18 years old, we moved from Illinois to California. Anyone from LA here? LA? Woohoo! Okay. So, um, my parents, I went to school in Santa Barbara, but my parents moved to um, Los Angeles, Santa Monica. So the beach to the north, Malibu, is kind of where fancy stars have their homes. I don't know if you watch Lifestyles the Rich and Famous. That's where stars. And then just to the south of Santa Monica is Venice Beach, which is fantastic. Um, It's like purple hair and tattooed people and and tie-dyed people and dreadlocked people. It's a fantastic place to be. So all of a sudden, like, my neighbors walk on glass and eat fire for a living. (laughs) It's a really fun place to be. And when my parents moved there, there was sort of this hot political issue at the time because there was a tent community on the beach. So tents, there were, there were sofas out there and like dining room sets, but, but men, women, parents, children living at the beach and people who paid a lot of money to live at the beach wanted them off of the beach so big issue and um one day i was down there and there was this big circle and i'd read about it in the paper so i knew what it was and it was the council of justice and i was raised like with um the justice league superman batman wonder woman aquaman so like council of justice what could be better than that and so i kind of you know i kind of creep up and and find out what's happening and next thing you know i'm like selling my, my fancy clothes that I hate in my dorm room to to raise money to Xerox literature for the Council of Justice. Um, but I go home that night and uh my parents are those people who paid a lot of money to live at the beach. And so we had this conversation and because I don't quite have the <clears throat> the vocabulary um I probably didn't even have the theology to articulate why I cared so much about these children um who didn't have money for the nice view but but lived at the beach I couldn't you know I didn't I didn't have the solution but I just didn't think it was fair they were getting kicked off and what happens but ugh, I end up in tears at the dinner table and my mom reaches over and she says the most horrible words I've ever heard which were I felt that way when I was your age too, honey. And right like, pour salt in the wound. And you know what? I've never forgotten that. It stuck with me. As a college student, I remember looking around and I could see peers who were living lives of love for the world. I could see peers making a difference but where were the old people? That's what I wanted to know. Like, where were the people in my parents' generation who were living those radical lives of love? I looked around, finally, like, one guy. I Like, I heard Tony Campolo, Woo, one guy. But still, the odds are not good, right, that I'm going to grow up and be a person who um, is passionate about God's love for the world. And so <clears throat> I think I was 19 when I developed this little theory. I don't think it's mine, but um, say that's your heart at the top. And God presents us with these, with windows, with maybe little awakenings, opportunities where we see, right, where we see God's love. We've seen it in the news for the last two weeks. You saw it at Urbana. And um, when we when we get those peaks into God's heart, um, we have two choices. We can um, go like this, go like this. Um, keep doing what we're doing, not be troubled by it. And when that happens, what happens to our heart is kind of a shell, kind of a hardness to our heart um, that we participate in when we refuse to look at at a world in need. On the other hand, um, when God gives us those peaks and we respond, um, we participate in a softening of our hearts. Um, the kind of hearts that God intended for us to have. And I don't mean that we're throwing out cash to everyone who asks. I don't mean that um, <laughs> the lovely gentlemen who stand outside Cosmic Cantina and like give you their order and tell you like, you know, sour cream and this, that that, that buying something for them is necessarily the answer, but there's other responses which might be um, to learn someone's name to look them in the eye, to treat them with dignity, to listen to their story. There's so many different responses when we get those peaks into a world in need, and God longs for us to respond as his hands and his feet to a world in need. Um, <clears throat> okay. Um, Whoo, that's an alarm clock, because um, it's like, God gives us these wake-ups, and our choice is, on one hand, um, hit snooze, go back to sleep as long as we can, hit snooze again, hit snooze again, hit snooze again. That's the hardening of the heart. Or um, the other choice that's a little less comfortable, that um, is sometimes a little less fun, it's to wake up, do something about it, and engage a world of need. And those, those wake-ups, those awakenings, can be, <clears throat> can be little ones. It can be um, seeing some horrible photos in Newsweek or Time magazine, and, um, and we see a world in need, and we see God's heart for that world in need. Um, here's a medium-sized wake-up. Um, I do this funny thing called Mad Hattermask, and what that means is I don't take my kids for an a lot of times for an after-school snack at Mad Hatter's. But when I do, three children, three cookies, I can't get out for under ten bucks. <laughs> and um, and as I'm doing that, I um, my funny Mad Hatter math is like, if I were sponsoring a child in need, um, this unnecessary snack could probably sustain the, the physical, um, intellectual, spiritual life of a child in another country for like a week. <laughs> and we don't even need those cookies to make us fat. <laughs> um, so for me, that's a little awakening. And yeah, I've blown it. But I think that that um, part of that awakening is, what will I do next time? Like, Could we make it um, like longer period till I go back to Mad Hatter? Or um, there's practices that I can develop at home to to a world in need. Um, There's a little medium awakening. I'm going to tell you about a big awakening. Um, I was wasting time on YouTube, and it feels less like wasting time if it's like someone I know, (laughs) and it was. Um, There's an organization called Word Made Flesh that works among the poorest of the poor, and um, Chris Huertz is the head of that, and so he's giving a little talk, and the talk is about John Wesley. Did he start, like, Methodism? Okay, like, so like already I wanted to go to sleep. <laughs> this is kind of boring. But, but here's the thing. Um, John Wesley um, went to the market, and he had gotten picture frames. So right there he's got me, because I'm a little bit of a framer. And um, got these picture frames, goes home, arranges everything just right on his walls, and there's a knock on the door. And um, there's a woman standing in the cold with a baby, and she asks John Wesley for money. And he has a little bit left. He hands her the little bit. He closes the door and he falls on his face. Isaiah 3 says, the plunder of the poor is in your homes." And John Wesley looked on the wall and he knew that that was not meant for him, right? His needs were met, that was meant for someone else. And from that day forward, um, gosh, I don't know the math, but like he could live on 28 pounds a year and for the rest of his life, he made more and more money. He continued to live on 28 pounds a year huge awakening and a response to God's love for a world in need, right? He got it, and a lot of us get it, but then we kind of continue to live the same way. John Wesley got it and then lived differently. Um, So what is it that keeps us from participating in God's love for a world in need? And I feel like the spiritual answer is um, um, like the world, the flesh, and the devil, like, I I know that's the right answer, but you know what? What keeps me from it is me. It's selfishness. It's living a life that is focused on myself that keeps me from joining in with God's care for the world, and I am, like, um, an absolutely brilliant rationalizer, and here's what it sounds like. Um, My family does sponsor a little boy in India, and as we were reading about his community, it said that like when his dad or when other adults can get work for a day, they make the equivalent of like $2 a day. And, um, and so this is where I go with that. I say, well, I don't really know the exchange rate And so maybe that's like $200 in India. And um, maybe if I went over there, like maybe a Coke is like half a penny. And maybe they would buy me a Coke. I don't even know. Like these crazy tricks I do with my mind to get me off the hook of engaging with a world in need. When the need is so overwhelming, like it is right now with Haiti, um, it's almost too much. It's almost too much. And here's the thing. I don't think God asks us to do everything, only the next thing. And that is not my big idea. I was teaching a Sunday school class where I got all fired up about this stuff. And a like, really sweet, quiet lady came up to me afterwards. And she says, you know, I find that I can't do everything, but you know, God only asked me to do the next thing. Like, ugh, that's it. That's all God asks of us is the next thing. Um, but I do want to say one thing about the, the age thing that I noticed when I was in college. And, um, the picture I kind of see of it and saw of it then was, um, well, I didn't know it then, but Night at the Museum with Ben Stiller, and he's like this big gigantor, and when they, they like throw him down across the train tracks and tie him, like, it's probably only like dental floss, right, but they think they're tying him up with big ropes, like every one of those ropes, um, if you think about getting older, making choices, um, those are little choices that end up binding us to kind of extravagant lifestyles. And I remember being in college and seeing somebody like uh, just a few years ahead of me like buying their first house, and I felt so sorry for them. Um, but but it, but it starts little, right? So um, you need some place to live. Maybe you rent. Maybe you buy something. You need something to drive, and so you buy the thing you're going to drive. Next thing you know, it's got like four car seats and... Um, And there's nothing wrong with that because that's exactly what my life looks like now but each one of those little choices um right now maybe you guys are like have big things happening in the stock market maybe you own lots of property that i don't know about but like right now you have this wonderful freedom to set the trajectory of your life whether you're going to live on 28 pounds a year which i hope it's not like two (laughs) dollars um whether you're going to live a life That, you know, once your needs are met, you can jump in and participate in God's great love for the world. and, like, I think we need friends to do that. So if you have a like-minded friend in here now, like, stick together and um, move into the future together. So I think that, like, age itself is not the problem, but it's those little choices that we make along the way um, where we choose kind of the things of the world that end up being those um, those straps that tie us down and keep us from um, living a radical life of love. Um, <clears throat> I think the two biggest obstacles... Um, for us are going to be time and money. And, um, <clears throat> Jesus says where your, um, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is going to be. So, you know, this isn't my, this isn't my big idea either, but, um, your heart is going to be where your treasure is. And now as a mom, like with a house and husband and children, right? Um, that's just the reality. And I'm not knocking it because, because it's good. But how can I put treasure in? maybe some teenagers who live in Durham or how can um, I put my treasure with this little eight-year-old boy Joshua in India Um, it's just the way the world works that what you do with your time what you do with your money your heart is going to be there Um, all right here's the thing I want to share with you two opportunities to change what you do with your time and your money. But this is two of three this evening because um, Jason and Tammy are going to share after me. Um, one, two, three. I'm going to share two things and they're going to give you a great opportunity um, to really engage with God's world. Next one. Um, <clears throat> in Durham, I participate with Reality Ministries and it is right off of Gregson, close to Brightley Square, a ministry to teenagers who in some ways are marginalized. For some that means that um, they live with poverty, broken families, maybe struggling in school. And when Durham Public Schools have a half day, like two or 300 kids from Durham School of the Arts cross the street to the Reality Center where they, they play basketball, they get tutored. There are adults there, there are young adults there who say you matter, your life matters to us and to god very exciting and kind of the um the piece of reality ministries that i participate in tuesday night live is a ministry to teenagers and adults with disabilities and people it is the most fabulous place ever to be and you know what i did i put um i put my website here because i am literally inviting you if you are so led um to come this tuesday at 6 30 tuesday night live friends with disabilities are buddied up, kind of one-to-one with friends in the community, and uh, we eat pizza, play games, sing songs. Um, But my favorite thing is called Friends News. And while we're eating our pizza, we write down something that, you know, kind of whatever's happening in our lives this week, and then like a news announcer shares it with the whole group. And so this is what it sounds like. Um, Janie is turning 17 in two hundred and thirty-four days. And then here's like like everybody claps, like, Yay, Janie! Like that is the greatest thing ever. <laughs> and then, you know, um, you know, Tyler is you know, Tyler is bummed that the heels lost and half the room is like, hooray, and half the room, boo. Um, it's very exciting. And um my favorite is, you know, you're just kind of you know, it kind of the excitement builds and I'm on the edge of my seat, what's coming next? And they'll say like, you in Ate cereal for breakfast. and like, woo! Like, every Like, he stands up. He'll kind of, you know, wave to the crowd, take a bow. Um, cereal people. Um, it is fabulous. And I think that um, high school, college, grad school, um, older adults, volunteers from the community come because it's a taste of the kingdom of God. Like, I can walk in after a bad day, and someone will come up to me, Marco, you're wearing pink. I can't believe it. in and you are simply accepted because you bear the image of God. Fabulous place to be. Reality Ministries, this Tuesday at 630. Ugh. If you want to come, please uh, visit me, email me, and I have a new job. It's napkins are, which just means that I set up. <laughs> but it also means that I can talk to you. Um, so if you're interested, whoo! Reality Ministries. And um, one more opportunity I want to make you aware of is Compassion International. Um, Was there anything from Compassion at um, Urbana? Nothing? Nothing? All right. Um, If you're not familiar, Compassion is a sponsorship program um, where sponsors have a relationship with a child in need. And normally I would describe to you what some of those needs are. One out of two children grows up in poverty. But you know, I feel like this week you know it, right, you get it. Whether you went to Urbana, whether you breathe, because you've seen the need in Haiti, you get the need. And three quick reasons that I think compassion is fantastic. One is that they work through a local church. So it's not the um, America comes to save the day show, it's hooray for the local pastor, because all of a sudden there's prenatal care, um, there's there's education, there's spiritual nurture, um, food programs, and children are growing up to come back and change their own community. So it happens through a local church. Um, A sponsor and a child have a real relationship. Uh, My family's just getting to know this little eight-year-old Joshua. And what happens for Joshua is the same thing that happens for a teenager in Durham who finds out that he matters, he finds out that someone cares for him, that God cares for him, right? That can change the trajectory of a life. And the same thing happens with compassion because sponsors and kids have a real relationship. Um, um, the, um, The third thing about compassion is it's effective. For 55 years, compassion has been releasing children from poverty and those kids are coming back to make a difference in their communities so excited. And you know what? I wanted to introduce you to someone. Um, I have, um, this is a child from Uganda, and his name is Gududu, which is like, I mean, reason enough to bring him into your heart. But it's like, Gududu. Doesn't almost sound like, go Duke, Gududu. Anyway, that's just... It was a long walk here from my house tonight and I, it just came to me. Gudu. Anyway, Gududu lives in Uganda. Um, he lives in a community that, um, that has a high rate of HIV AIDS. I have three other kiddos. Um, he's not like a fake kiddo or, or a marketing scheme. These are four children who are waiting for sponsors. And um, I encourage you to think about it. As I was thinking about you guys this week, I thought to myself, I'm pretty sure that in college I sponsored a child. So I was trying to remember who did I do that through? And I was getting in touch with Christian children because I wanted to be able to tell you that I did it. So um, I couldn't find the organization. Um, and you're probably thinking, yeah, it's probably like $2 back then. And it might have been. But um, here's the thing I think it's possible. I don't know your circumstances. I think it's possible. If you do it with a friend, I know it's possible to change the life of a child. And afterwards, I'm going to linger here um, just with some information about kiddos. If you peek, I'm not going to make you sign up for anything. Um, But if you are so moved, you can do that tonight. Don't need money right now. You can fill out a form. Um, People, I feel like you guys get it you understand both God's love for you and God's great love for the world. And I look forward to seeing what that's going to look like for y'all. And um, we're about to hear one more way to do that. But let's pray. God, I thank you that your love for the world is not just words. They are not black and white words printed in a book, but your love for the world is real, and you invite us to participate with you um, as you are um, with us and for us. God, when we get those little windows, those awakenings, give us the courage and the boldness to respond and to walk with you into life that really is life. In the strong name of Jesus, amen.
2: hi Um, wow what a message thank you for that Um, i'm jessica i'm tammy i'm sam Um, and we just want to talk a little bit about um, our urbana experience and um, one message that i really got out is that is actually the same thing as what margot's been talking about that god really cares about social justice and because God cares so much about it, we should care about it. Um, uh, York Moore talked to us, and in one of his messages, he talked about how we need to take care of people both spiritually and physically. It's not enough to just try to save people and try to save their souls, but we also need to take care of their physical needs. Um, and we can't, you can't just do one without the other because God
0: cares about both. And just like from what we've been singing and um, hearing Margot speak, Um, Jesus really does care for um, everyone, um, the poor and the needy. And um, like at Urbana, um, there was a speaker, Randy White. He was talking about living a lifestyle of justice and um, really pushing us not to just dabble in justice, but to do justice. And um, he actually told us that there are over 3,000 verses in the Bible um, talking about justice and poverty. So it's a really important issue. And I just wanted to quote um, a part in the Bible, Proverbs 31, eight to nine, um, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute, speak up and judge fairly, defend the rights of the poor and needy. And so we're just really hoping that you guys um, help with justice um, around the world and in our community. Yeah. So
2: um, it's just like what we sang today in the song God of Justice. Um, We ended with move us into action. We must go. And so um, at Urbana, World Vision, Sojourners and IJM, which are all um, Christian organizations that work in justice, um, they launched a campaign called the Human Wrong Campaign, um, which tries to bring awareness about human trafficking. Um, and while Margot talked about different opportunities, um, one opportunity is to directly affect the life of a child in another country. Um, the Human Wrong Initiative sort of works on the US side. Um, basically, what it does is um, tries to get people to. Um, talk to their legislator, to email their legislator, and let them know about this act called the Child Protection Compact Act. Um, This act would allow the U.S. government to provide support to um, governments of developing countries where there's a problem with human trafficking, um, but that these governments have shown that um, they are committed to fighting human trafficking and child slavery, but they just don't have the resources. So this um, act would allow the U.S. government to support them. So now we're going to show you a video. by World Vision. Do you think about human Sorry, I should have said that earlier. But I guess um, Sam can talk a little bit more about
3: okay. it. All right, so um, some estimates today um, run up to 27 million people living in slavery-like conditions. And even in the US, uh, the wealthiest nation in the world, we have 500,000 trafficking victims. And in other countries, um, the governments are just overrun with corruption or they simply lack the resources to do anything about the problem. And so these uh, victims stay marginalized, um, they're beaten, abused, uh, violated in unspeakable ways. And I feel like um, it's easy to just turn a blind eye to their problems because it's so far away from us. But these are the people who really need our time and our prayers. And um, I feel like it's our responsibility as Christians to uh, wake up like um, in the message. And so, yeah, this video will show us.
2: Um, can you go back to the main page of the website? Or, or just scroll down, actually. I think it should be fine. Yes. So um, there are a couple things couple very simple things that you can do to get involved and to take action so if you click take action so I want everyone to do this tonight just go to humanwrong.org click take action wait for it to load (laughs) check Facebook while you're waiting for it to load and repost the link on your status Um, And as you can see, they already have a form letter um, that will be addressed to your representative. All you have to do is put in your name, email address, and address, and zip code. And if you want, you can add a personalize your message and say, please help or something. Um, And then it will just email your legislator. It's very simple. It'll take 30 seconds. What we're trying to do is just to show our legislators that we as citizens care about these issues and that we want our government to care as well. Um, so that'll take 30 seconds also we're trying to launch a campaign um, on campus and to basically hold a campus-wide event uh, later in the spring in March or April so if you're interested in getting involved in that come and talk to us afterwards thank you